0: We're back from a little mini break. I guess it was more than a mini break. It's been a whole day because kids kind of do that. But we're going to continue on, and Laura and I with our Mr. Robot season two chat. I believe we've covered, did a good job covering Elliot Ray and the prison situation, and we were wrapping up Darlene. I think we pretty much covered all of Darlene. I'm sure she'll pop up as we move along in our in our chat. Yeah. So. We've got a good handful of characters left to try and get to. Um, so we'll just go ahead and get to it. I was just saying before we got officially started, that one episode that we didn't talk about was that 90s sitcom-themed episode where uh, Ray's goons were beating the shit out of Elliot because Elliot peaked at what Ray's business was. And um, Mr. Robot kind of tucked him away, tucked Elliot away so he wouldn't have to endure getting his ass kicked. And I gotta admit, I kind of love that
1: episode. Oh me too. But yeah, it definitely I had so many cringy moments. And then you're like, oh man, 90s TV really was like that.
0: It totally was in the intro. And I think I read on uh IMDB that the intro and everything was done by someone who had worked on, you know, like step by step or full house. I was gonna say step by step because it had that <gasps> step by step feel to it. It, had, it totally did. <laughs> yes, I wasn't the only one that felt that. So, opening itself, pretty standard 90s sitcom intro. But then there's like Angela who's like crying at her mom's casket <laughs> sorry that's not funny <laughs> but it was she's all crying and then she looks to the camera she's got the running mascara and everything and tries to do like that cheesy smile and then oh, can't hold yeah. it and starts crying again <laughs> like
1: why I thought, I thought that was a great moment though
0: <laughs> have you seen
1: those have you seen those parody memes or like little short like vine type or now tiktok i suppose replaced that where where just random people do the 90s sitcom intros and they just look up and smile at their camera at random times like one was about it looked like he was about to put his cat in the oven and he looks up (laughs) and smiles he's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know so the fact that they took that and made it even more awkward than it's been done by uh, your average joe is just you know really fun. It was kind of a nod to an internet meme man. 90s sitcoms at the same time.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen those surprisingly oh, enough. Oh man, but <laughs> I gotta send them to you later. You do, oh, yeah. Wow. Send away. So I just wanted to kind of touch on that real quick because I liked how they did that and for me it felt like, at least so far in the series, that's like the first time Mr. Robot has acted in a way that and from my understanding, alternate personalities from, you know, for DID, like uh, they're protectors, you know, they're, they're shielding, protecting the host from something bad, something that they're not able to handle. Cause Mr. Robot's always like trying to scheme and, you know, do all the hacking and, you know, take down the man and everything. But in this instance, I felt that this was more true to how, to my understanding of how DID and alternate personalities work initially. Yeah, I think that it was more true to Mr. Robot's origins as well.
1: Because, like in the first season, you know, um, at least when they're getting to the point where Elliot's trying to figure out what's going on, thinking his dad's still alive and all that, um, he keeps saying, They're going to take me away. They're going to split us up. I can't protect you anymore. So he still has that protectionist role. We just mm-hmm. don't know why. Mm -hmm. and we don't know how it manifests because yeah the majority of the time we see them it's like they're they're co-conspirators but also at odds with each other all the time like you don't really see how that's protecting Elliot
0: Mm -hmm. yeah no I I agree I thought it was a nice bit of a change for Mr. Robot because then they're you know it's like after Elliot kind of comes out of that tucked away place He's, you see him kind of, you know, laying on the ground in that basement hole, assuming he mm-hmm. got sent to the hole after we found out he was in prison and he's laying there with his head on Mr. Robot's lap and they're like holding hands. And it was just like a really sweet moment between those two characters yeah. that we just don't see a lot. And then <laughs> Elliot was like, he kind of ruined it. Cause he's like, what was that back there? And he referring to Tyrell in the trunk. In that 90s sitcom
1: yeah I love that Tyrell made it an appearance and that's what happened to him <laughs> like mm-hmm. ooh, that was a little less 90s sitcom and a little more uh late night yeah. HBO
0: type <laughs> and also like their mom punching Darlene in the face twice and then the laugh tracks going like oh yeah those laugh
1: tracks were the most inappropriate moments oh, and I'm man. like is that a nod to dark humor or is that is that like some weak ass attempt to make his mom's behavior
0: okay? Well, what is that? <laughs> I think a little bit of dark humor, maybe a little bit of both and maybe just you know, adding in the laugh track because that was pretty classic
1: yeah. television
0: back then. And there's in my opinion no appropriate time for a laugh track. <laughs> I don't know. I think if you want to break the
1: fourth wall and use them like that, it's kind of fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that's the exception to my anti-left track rule. (laughs) (laughs) That was, yeah. I just wanted to kind of touch on that real quick because I thought that was just a fun and just an interesting episode. That was. (laughs) You're right.
1: And I'm glad you brought it up because I had completely forgotten about
0: that particular episode, mm-hmm. and then also because in that episode he Elliot after he kind of comes out of all of that tucked away nineties place or whatever, he's then he's kind of at odds again with Mister Robot and whether or not he's gonna help Ray after all of this, right? And there was so then Elliot borrows the chessboard from Ray to try and like battle it out, battle, a battle of wits of sorts against Mr. Robot. But, you know, so they're playing chess and always ends in a stalemate because Mr. Robot is Elliot. And, and I think Mr. Robot says something like, you can't surprise me. You can't like, I'm you. There's nothing you can do that. I'm not going to know about, but there was that moment where Elliot agreed to Ray to continue doing to help him out with the migration or whatever at that point. And miss there's a look of surprise on Mr. Robot's face kind of standing in the background. <laughs> so in my note I was like checkmate. <laughs> so so he got him, which was kind of interesting in that everything all those little scenes leading up to that moment it's like oh you you kind of think like well yeah, how are you going to trick your alternate personality when they're you
1: yeah but the internal struggle is really interesting how they portrayed it here
0: absolutely prison was a
1: good backdrop for that
0: yeah that's enough about that i think because yeah we still have a lot to get through and i want to make sure we try and get through it all tonight so we will just continue on down the line who would you (laughs) like to rip on next i mean talk about next (laughs) (laughs) well if we're gonna rip on people hmm (laughs) (laughs)
1: So, Angela, it is. (laughs) How did you know? No, actually, okay, this season with Angela, I was like, oh, wait, she actually has a spine? This is interesting, and, you know, I'm forever mad at this season as a result of that because it built up false hope in me that ultimately got dashed, but Mm -hmm. we got to enjoy this moment for what it was, and yeah, you know, after seeing her in the first season, and she's not sure of herself, not really sure of her job, you know, deer in headlights, looking like she's always gonna cry all the time. Suddenly, you know, she she grows a spine, and it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. maybe I can kind of see what Elliot sees in her now.
0: This season definitely helps with like, like you said, kind of seeing that more badass take charge of has things under control because because what she's like a pr manager she takes a job at evil corp and she's yeah a pr manager and there's the one guy and he's giving a live on-air interview and then he ends up shooting himself committing suicide uh, on air and the way that she just seemed so shut off and, but she, you know, she didn't like freak out or anything. And even Philip later was like, you know, you just experienced something traumatic. Why don't you go home if you need to? Oh, but by the way, I'm giving this speech. And if you'd like to tag along and then, so she, he gives her money to get new shoes because her shoes are all bloody and gross. And she gets a little sassy at the shoe store because the, salesperson is like how can you work for them they're evil blah 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 she's like give me the Manolos and then she goes to that meeting thing with Philip. so she's very driven yes and I thought that was see the first time I watched this season I was like you I was like yeah Angela's a badass she's she's grown she's more confident but I don't know. The second time watching it, maybe just kind of knowing how it all plays out, it wasn't as enjoyable or satisfying. It was just kind of like, what happened? I wouldn't expect
1: it to be on a rewatch. And that was, that's part of the reason why I would find the second season the hardest to watch is because I cannot replicate that feeling of hope that I had. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, she's actually going to be really cool. (laughs)
0: no offense Angela but you know (laughs) and you know there was times where even during the second rewatch I was just like what's the point of Angela and even kind of knowing how every how her storyline plays out throughout the rest of the season series I just kind of sat there and I was like well what's the point well you know what I found out why her
1: character's storyline abruptly ended the way that it did And it was something that was playing out behind the scenes on the show. Oh. So it's nice to know that her actress is as much of a disappointment as her character.
0: (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, we'll have to get a little more. I'll have to look into that a little bit more. But that's... hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I won't dip into season four and spoil that or anything, but... It was ultimately down to the fact that she wanted more money. Because, mm. I mean, if you look at Remy Malik's money, you know, as the season progressed, he got he got paid, but he deserved it. He was the main character of the show. And, you know, later on he produced some episodes, too, I think. So, you know, um, like I said, nothing against her or anything, but I just I don't understand the basis of that argument. Like, if it was just an, you know, an equal pay for equal job type argument, sure, I'd be all for that. But she did not have a main role in the series. She was a supporting character. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I want, I really wonder what the original ending for her was supposed to be because they laid all this groundwork in season two and and then for it to all end in that. But I guess another way to look at it is... Um, That's
0: kind of how life can play out sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's kind of on this fast track, you know, ish, with excelling at Evil Corp and feeling confident in herself. She's doing those like daily affirmation things. (laughs) Those things make me laugh. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I feel bad because I think I've like shat on it. In past recordings, because there's been other shows and other characters that do those um, affirmation things. And, and I, <laughs> they do. They make me laugh. But And that's not to rip on the people that benefit from it by any means. Oh, no, no, not at all. But just in the context of, of her character,
1: it's like she, she needs this recording to tell her that because she doesn't, does she not believe it? if she didn't have that? I don't know. But then I always think of it like what would be the funniest context to use that in? And I always think of some like antihero with with that playing on their, their headphones or whatever while they're like kicking everybody's asses. And I'm just like, why doesn't anybody ever do that? That
0: sounds like something for Deadpool. Right? That would be perfect <laughs>
1: for Deadpool. And you know, immediately I start laughing. So, <laughs> so I'm like, Because the first few times she's she's listening to it and kind of repeating it to herself under her breath in in random like out in the real world situations type thing i'm like oh because you know we're dealing with elliot and darlene snapping right Mm -hmm. in this season so i'm like is she gonna snap too how is she gonna snap is she gonna kill everybody (laughs) (laughs) with those big doe eyes yeah no shit (laughs) like i would not see that coming but i'm also i'm kind of like Oh, I really hope it does. Yeah. <laughs> and, just uh. like, what is, and then you're like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> I know. So you yeah. see the most fucked up thing possible. So yeah, that's what my ADD brain did when those things started. So I cannot help but laugh at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just can't.
0: <laughs> no, I'm kind of the same way, but you know, to each their own listeners, if oh, yeah. you do daily affirmations and go you, nothing wrong with that. If it works for you, awesome. Yeah, but you know, for Angela's case it's I mean, but she doesn't have anyone else in her life to pump positivity and no, she th- just to had encourage this her skeezy boyfriend. Ugh. She had
1: Elliot, but they kind of grew distant for a bit mm. here.
0: But then also, I don't know, she's got her father. Um well, they had but- that falling out because she took, you know, cause she's yeah, working for Evil Corp.
1: But, you know, she before that, they were having a nice relationship. Like, she was staying with him for a bit. Uh, he was doing his best to take care of her, and it seemed like a really sweet thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I can understand her father being hurt when she took that position. And then she doubled down on it whenever she got approached by, you know, someone they both knew. And she's mm-hmm. like, damn, okay. Um, but, you know, she did have her father, and she pushed him away. So, you're right. She didn't have anything else to turn to. But I you know, some of
0: that's on her. Yeah. I kind of agree. So, but we also see Angela helping out. This is, she does, we have hacker Angela. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So F well, Darlene and, um, Trenton and Mobley kind of recruit her to help plant the fem to sell on the FBI floor so they can hack the FBI, but they're trying to teach her, like, give her this, like, crash course. You look like you're going to explode. <laughs> I,
1: I just, oh, Angela the hacker. It's like she wants to be Elliot so bad, and she just can't pull it off.
0: Oh, she tried, but yeah, that was another moment. That's another instance where she's trying to learn the codes, you know, what I, you know the hacking, <laughs> and she's repeating her daily affirmations and then Trenton kind of like, she's talking to herself. And Dara's like, whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever it takes. <laughs> Just, whatever. Trenton's reaction there was like, yep, that is that is kind of how
1: I would handle that.
0: Nope, I'm sorry. It was Mobley, not Trenton.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. Sorry. But yeah, the reaction there is definitely how I would handle that. I mean mm. it's like,
0: okay then um, should we be worried? And then in some of the stuff that I was reading, like various comments or whatever, um, they're just like, there. there's no reason that they would have needed to teach Angela how to hack. You know, like Elliot had nope. said in prior episodes, it's all about the malware. It's not like that scenario really at all, which I thought was kind of fascinating given that uh, the creator, Sam es- Esmail, wanted to create a show about hacking that's, more realistic than what we've seen.
1: Yeah, and on the whole, do. he does a really good job. Now, here's my take on that though. Mm-hmm. I agree with those commenters. Absolutely, 100%. There was no need to do that. And either it, it was a way to try and keep Angela more relevant and involved, mm-hmm. or um, perhaps both, it was a display of Darlene's poor planning and leadership abilities. Okay. That makes sense. Darlene was, you know, not exactly doing a good job at this point, but she was trying um, and this was the best she could come up with. Mm-hmm. But you're, they're absolutely right. You're right. If Elliot was there, there's
0: no way they would have needed her to do that. No, no. And then I think it was because when they did hack the FBI, because there was one point where Mobley was hired as like a com- the company's IT so maybe FBI or Evil Corp after they had done a little mini hack or something. And they called IT and he was working on it. And I just laughed so hard because it's Mobley and he's doing like control S. Like these really simple keystrokes and just kind of shrugging like, oh, I don't know what to do. And doing <laughs> control alt delete and nothing's happening. <laughs> so that part made me giggle in terms of, you know, real quote, realistic hacking and i mean he yeah. wasn't even trying which was the whole he point, wasn't but. trying
1: which had to be amusing for him so the fact that he did that with a straight face is like wow props to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh
0: shit <laughs> and then let's see also with angela so she helps with um planting the fem cell and oh she has like a face-to-face with dom because dom is mm-hmm. able to kind of loop everything around and place angela right. We haven't really talked about Dom yet, but um, and we will. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. But then we also see for Angela, so she decides that she's just gonna come at one point she decides she's gonna come clean after she has her after Dom, Dom confronts her about knowing Angela's role in a lot of these things. Right. And so Angela has that moment on the subway with Elliot and she's like, I'm gonna turn myself in. I'm gonna own up for what I did. But just know that it's gonna come back to you. And a couple of things on the train scene is behind they're sitting across from each other, and behind Elliot is a poster that says Phase, and behind Angela is a poster that says Phase. So I started giggling. I was like, oh, Phase two, Phase two, two phases. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not that subtle, but and then and then he kisses her. Yeah. Which was very out of character for Elliot so I didn't quite get that but then she's um, confronted with two people that don't look like they're taking her to her lawyer's house and instead they take her to this weird suburban house in this dark room where she ends up meeting White Rose and White Rose is able to somehow brainwash or manipulate her because then Angela go, does end up going to her lawyer's house and she's like, don't call me again. Don't contact me. Everything's fine. And goes off on her merry way. And then we see at the end of the season, Tyrell calls her and.
1: Yeah. Cause he had
0: just shot Elliot. Yeah. And, oh, that's right. Cause we were. Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, cause I forgot we were talking, when we were recording yesterday, we were doing the first half of the season. Right. Since the season felt like two seasons, um, but yeah, so at the end of the season, Tyrell and Elliot meet up and everything, and we'll probably get more into that when we get to Tyrell. And so Tyrell has shot Elliot and calls Angela for help. So at this point, she's also been recruited, you know, by White Rose and the Dark Army to basically be Elliot's handler. Is what you kind of get.
1: You know the whole thing around Angela's recruitment was creepy as hell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like the little girl talking about being beaten and all that. The the question and answer to game they were mm-hmm. playing, the the really old like role playing choose your own adventure game. I'm like, oh damn, I remember that game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so old. <laughs> uh, but you know, it was just one of those things. I'm just like. How, how do they know that this particular method would work on Angela? Like, what do they know about her that we don't? Like, why a little girl?
0: Hmm. Well, I would assume Dark Army and White Rose know, yeah, definitely know more about Angela than we, the viewers, you know, Elliot's imaginary friend knows. They probably have had surveillance and everything and dug into their file, you know, her file or what have you. I yeah. just, that was my assumption is that, yep, they're... notorious hacker group so they hacked and they knew how to break her
1: yeah and I'm wondering if you know it was a way of like having her confront herself because I mean with her becoming an agent for them and everything (laughs) the the way that they managed to get her to believe in their cause was very much like convincing a little kid Mm -hmm. about you know something outlandish being real Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Because you get the sense that everything in that room was there on purpose. Everything from Mm -hmm. the fish tank, the old computer, the little girl that kind of looks like what Angela may have looked like as a young child, and the hang in there poster behind her with the cat.
1: The cat poster. Did you think of the Lego movie when you saw that? Because I did.
0: I did not. Damn. I did. (laughs) No, I just thought like, that's not the hang in there picture poster I'm used to seeing. (laughs) I know that's well, a little sounds like different. like a cat poster. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, was, it was interesting, yeah, the, the breaking of Angela. Because we don't get any... Which isn't that hard, and that's the thing. Yeah. I wonder how long it actually took White Rose to break her. Because we don't get to hear the whole conversation. No, I know, and I, I was so mad about that. I was mm-hmm. like, come on! <laughs> So yeah, that's Angela. Some kind of weird vibes between her and Philip throughout this season. Yeah, she had some badass
1: moments with him where she kind of like surprised him, put him in his place a little bit, which was a bold thing to do with your like bosses, 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 boss. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know how many layers there are in that company. You know, she had some other she had some other bold moments as well that were really entertaining so mm-hmm. I'll give her credit for those but yeah the whole thing with her and Philip I don't know it, at first it seemed like it was just a lecherous boss preying on a pretty young person mm-hmm. who, who
0: is clearly easy to manipulate because mm-hmm. like there's the one scene where he's like oh, have you ever been to this restaurant? You know, we'll go, you know, reservations at blah, blah, blah time. And she shows up in a gorgeous dress, but then he's, Philip's there with two other business guys. Mm-hmm. And so then it's kind of like, oh, this isn't, like the way they just kind of set it up made you feel like, like they were going to engage in like sexy time or yeah, something like, yeah, like Philip was going to yeah, be lecherous and gross. They totally set it up that way. But then, yeah, she shows up, and it seems more like a business meeting. And Philip really doesn't seem to express any kind of interest in her, other than trying to get her to bring those two guys down, because they were involved with the um, Washington Township uh, water being poisoned. They were part of that whole decision, but then they also like stood in the way of Philip and what he wanted to do. Yeah, there's always something in it for Philip, right? Yep. Because he has that one scene too, where he's talking to I think Colby. And he's like, Philip's like, I've always has always need to ask myself, am I the most powerful man in the room? And the answer always has to be yes. So there's always Philip's always cooking something.
1: You know, you bring up Terry Colby, and you know, as as despicable as he was, like I like Philip. Yeah, like, he's okay. It's weird because I know he is just immoral as Terry Colby is, but there's something about him that makes me go, you know what? I think this guy's doing it for better reasons. He's way more interesting, and he's a lot more in control of himself. I want to see where this goes. I, I you know, as it became clear that his motivations were not the the lecherousness that we thought. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we didn't know what they were at this point in time, but they at least weren't that. Um, I'm just like, ooh, what is driving this guy right now? What is his game?
0: And I'm glad they didn't go creepy boss. Me too. Well, first of all, it's overdone. Yeah. So I'm glad they, they didn't go through with, with that. But I would agree with, I guess, well, not completely agree, but I, I kept kind of going back and forth on Philip this season and this time around. There were times where I'm just like, ugh, you're just just a businessman. You're just business driven. You don't, the way you talk, the way he talks sometimes, You're like, you don't fucking care. You just care about being the most powerful man in the room. But then there were these other moments where I'm like, I don't know, maybe he does give a shit. So I kept going back and forth on this this, during this rewatch on, oh, I like Philip. No, I don't really like him. Oh, yeah, he's all right. Uh, I don't. uh, uh." (laughs) So that's fun. I thought
1: he was a a much better focal point for leadership in E Corp than Terry Colby was, Mm -hmm. or uh, for that matter, Oh man, what's his face? I've totally blanked on his name.
0: Scott Knowles? Yeah. Yeah,
1: You know, like when we first saw Scott, I was like, wow, this, this is what they're all trying to be. This guy knows what he's doing. Holy shit. He's a shark. Wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you know, Tyrell just, it made him look like baby shark. Doo, doo, doo. And all that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, now it's stuck in my head.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited. About that character, because I'm like, finally Tyrell can't just run around being a giant tantrum crybaby doing whatever the hell he wants here. Like, he's got to actually, he's got to actually, you know, rise to the occasion. Let's see what happens. And that totally went nowhere. But Philip wrote in to save the day. And I'm Mm -hmm. just like, okay, if E Corp leadership is this good at playing the game, I can understand why they are what they are. Mm And I think I needed that because Tyrell just wasn't doing that for me. Like at first you were like, okay, this guy's pretty powerful for his age. Cool. But then you realize how unstable he is too. Mm -hmm. It's just like, wow. But Philip seems to know who he is and what he's doing. And he doesn't waver
0: at all, ever. And that's also probably just chalked up to age and experience. You know, Tyrell was on track to be the fastest rising whatever at E Corp until Scott got the CTO. So, since we're on Scott, let's, uh, and Tyrell, we'll move on to uh, Tyrell and Joanna. So, with Joanna, I hate Joanna. Again, this is kind of another point, another time where I was just like, what's the point? What was exactly. her, what was the point of her storyling? like? Like they kind of built her up to be this like dark, mysterious and terrifying manipulative person in season one. And not that you really, she loses any of that, but now that Tyrell is missing and it's just her and the baby and her super awesome bodyguard driver guy. Uh,
1: I wanted him to be like
0: my driver guy. That'd be sweet. Would you could you imagine just
1: going around like they should have done a spin-off series and road tripping with that dude? So yeah, I feel like Joanna was originally introduced as, you know, the person who keeps Tyrell on track. Mm -hmm. And and to an extent even when they're apart, that's kind of what her character is meant for for Tyrell's purposes. Like you wanna see your family again, you're gonna do these things. You wanna you wanna prove yourself to your wife again, you're going to do these things, you know, that kind of stuff. So in that sense, it makes sense for her to be around. But like, is that, that's literally all her character was worth. And that was so disappointing. Because
0: she was scary. Like, you could have done a lot with her. Yes, I completely agree. Um, so it was, so then we find out, because yeah, she's getting all these little gifts And she thinks that it's from Tyrell. And so she enlists uh, Elliot's help to kind of ping this random ass cell phone that she received thinking it was Tyrell to lead him to Tyrell. Come to find out that it was Scott Knowles tormenting her. And he goes into that whole long speech about, you know, we found out that you know, his wife was pregnant the same day that he got the CTO position. And then his wife ends up being murdered by Tyrell. And he's just like, I just wanted you to know what that felt like. And then he starts crying and he's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. This was kind of funny. Cause she's like, you fucking pussy <laughs> it just starts yeah. railing into him and saying some of the worst things possible, which was kind of beautiful. Yeah. And so Scott Knowles, like he react he acts out and he starts like choking her and beating the shit out of her and punching her. And then she ultimately uses that to try and
1: clear Tyrell's name.
0: Yeah. With her little boy toy. Cause then now she's also dating a guy that was a bartender at the party that was supposed to be for Scott to celebrate his CTO position. So she's still conniving. She's still like, I don't think that was an accident, even though she's like, Oh, I love you and I would like to be with you. And here are divorce papers to divorce Tyrell so we can be together. And I just no.
1: she was definitely playing her game there.
0: Yeah. So I just so again, it's just kind of like why what what was the point? Like is it just to kind of wrap up some more or less loose ends with the Knowles storyline?
1: Yep. And put Tyrell in a position to be a, a figurehead again so he didn't have to be in hiding anymore. Mm. That that was that's what all all it was for. There's no other.
0: Yeah. It felt very, even the second time around, it felt disappointing that it was Scott the whole time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it was used to keep Tyrell in line when he was in hiding and everything. The promise of seeing his family and all that. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. I feel like she could have been so much more than a plot device, and that's all she was. Yeah. And I agree. the baby was even less of a plot device because mm-hmm. after she died, it's like, okay, well, the corrupt FBI guy sends him off to uh, an orphanage or whatever, right? It's like, okay. And then what we never hear about him again? Pretty much. Oh, okay. So Tyrell gets his name cleared and becomes the face of E Corp. And what about the baby?
0: Oh, nothing? Okay. Nothing. That's it. It was just, yep, one and done. That was one of the things about the show where I was like, oh,
1: weird. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was. I would completely agree. It was just kind of odd. And yeah, like you said, she was just a plot device and that's just kind of unfortunate because I felt like she could have done more, but given the storyline and how the show, you know, with Tyrell going missing, what purpose does she have? You know, it's like she's, she starts to kind of assume that Tyrell is alive and he's doing what he needs to do for her and for the family. And then she tells Elliot about the story about those cheap earrings that she absolutely loves. Cause she told Tyrell to go fuck the woman that owned them and bring them back. And that showed her that he was willing to do anything and everything. And that just cemented their relationship, which is super healthy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: totally healthy. Great way to start a relationship (laughs) together.
0: So. It it was just unfortunate because I thought that actress did a really good job being scary and intimidating. Me too. Me too. She was ice cold. But we do get a bit more on Tyrell kind of a little bit through all of that. Yeah. Because Elliot is on this hunt to still find Tyrell and get the truth as to what had happened. Because he still kind of thinks he killed him. Mm-hmm. Tyrell actually ends up Calling and speaking to Elliot when Elliot was quote at his mom's house because Mr. Robot somehow arranged for that call to happen. Yeah, bonsoir, Elliot. hmm We were meant to be gods. And eventually, uh, I almost said Elliot. Eventually, Tyrell comes out of hiding and meets up with Elliot, and they get into that cab, and they start going to, or to like the hideout or whatever where Phase Two is happening. And Elliot starts yelling at the cabbie. He's like, can you see him? Do you see him? That was hilarious. <laughs> and, and the cabbie kicks him out because he's just like, the fuck is wrong with you guys? And so then they're just standing in the street. They get to wherever the hideout where Tyrell has been working on phase two. And everything kind of starts bubbling to a head between Elliot, Tyrell, and, and Mr. Robot. Elliot is convinced that Tyrell is just another figment in his another alternate personality or an imaginary friend. Yeah and at this point Mr. Robot had lost some
1: control because he's like sort of blinking in and out of existence because Elliot's just so far out of his mind at this point doesn't know what's real what isn't anymore.
0: Yep. Oh yeah because there was another scene too where Elliot's at like a Home Depot or something and he's got Joanna's mystery cell phone and it rings and he answers that and it's Tyrell and as soon as Tyrell as soon as Elliot answers the phone and Tyrell speaks poof Mr. Robot's gone and then Elliot's Mm -hmm. like why did he disappear why why hasn't he been back what's going on
1: and you're just kind of like yeah what the fuck is going on is Mr. Robot so powerful that he's manifested his own body somewhere yeah exactly (laughs) wouldn't that
0: have been something oh lord (laughs) (laughs) yeah so they're at the uh so they're going on and on about phase two, phase two. It was, so you come coming to find out that phase two is all of Elliot's idea. But Elliot, or Mr. Robot's idea. And Elliot just doesn't know what the hell's going on. So Tyrell's very confused. He's just like, what are you talking about? This was your idea. And Tyrell ultimately ends up shooting Elliot with the gun from the popcorn machine from season one.
1: Yeah, popcorn the one Elliot out. thought he killed. tyrell with which is just funny Mm -hmm. everything
0: comes full circle Mm -hmm. and as uh elliot's kind of fading out and bleeding out and tyrell looks all distraught and you get that sense that at some point mr robot had told tyrell you know gave gave him the gun and was just like if anyone because i think even tyrell says he's like you said if anyone tried to stop us to shoot them and tyrell's like i think i know now what you mean or maybe oh fuck i don't recall exactly but he was just kind of like, fuck, now I have to shoot you. And he does. Yeah. And it, oh, he shot him in the gut. Like,
1: yeah. That is apparently the most painful place to get shot. I don't want to find out firsthand. But I was just like, wow, that's that's harsh. Like, he could have shot him in the leg or something, you know, if he didn't want to kill him. But no, he shoots him in the gut. So he's literally risking his life. And it's like, wait a minute. The way Tyrell is acting about it, it's like, is he, is he like
0: infatuated with Elliot at this point? Like, is, does he think he loves him? You definitely get the sense of obsession. Yeah. Not healthy. No, no. Yeah. Because like, he always goes on, like, we were always meant to work together and we are gods. And Tyrell's a little cuckoo a to little. begin with. But yeah, his just complete and utter fascination with Elliot. Everyone's complete and utter fascination with Elliot throughout this the series it is somewhat perplexing it is don't get
1: me wrong he's incredibly smart and that you know can be a draw card for people but I just I don't see what it is about him that draws people in beyond that
0: I don't know maybe it's his you know because he's got his anxiety and everything so maybe he comes across as aloof maybe people are like, ooh, mysterious.
1: Dark and, and aloof. Yeah. <laughs> in, his dark, in his dark little hoodie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which I read online that um, originally he brought, Rami Malik brought in his own black hoodie for Elliot to wear because, you know, it, it was his, it's comfortable. And so then wardrobe brought in, you know, like a dozen other black hoodies. Which I guess Rami Malek didn't like. He didn't like wearing them because they weren't comfortable. I was like, I get that. I got a hoodie from like 1999 still that it stinks and it's gross, but I love it. And it's comfy and it's mine.
1: Yeah, I got to admit, I've got some old hoodies as well. (laughs) I'm never going to get rid of them.
0: So I just thought that was really cute. He was just like, I want to wear my hoodie.
1: (laughs) It's mine. It's
0: mine and it's cozy. What a diva. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because when I when I think of Raimi Malik, I totally think diva. <laughs> Don't you know? I mean, after he played Freddy, maybe. <laughs> I think it was after he played, what was it, King Tut in uh, Night of the Museum 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that, that meme you sent. <laughs> oh my God. Why is a white guy playing an Egyptian? Because he's Egyptian? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, bless their dumb little heart. Right? <laughs> like, and Rami Malek's just another white guy. <laughs> I think we've done good on Tyrell, Joanna, and their role with Elliot.
1: hmm
0: I think. Not a whole lot, because we didn't get a lot of Tyrell. He was still very a mysterious character throughout. Not really. Else.
1: I mean... He did contribute on the IT front, so we'll give him that too. Like he was one of those rare executives, you know, that can still sit down in a programmer's chair and hammer something out if they needed to. And it was cool because he kinda hinted at that in the first season where, you know, they demonstrated that like that wasn't just him, you know, trying to get on someone's good side. He's he's legitimate. But even he's like bowing down to Elliot. So again, we have another reference of Elliot is just that much better than everyone else he associates with. Mm-hmm.
0: Before we get to Dom and Sisko, let's just, a moment of silence for Gideon. Rest in peace, Gideon. I feel like we got yeah. to him a little bit yesterday. We did mention him because he
1: visited Elliot at his mom's house yeah. in, in the first half of the season. And even then, you got the sense that his whole world was just falling apart.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he, you know, he was coming to Elliot for help. Like, please help me before it's too late
0: and Elliot's like no I'm not going to and so Gideon kind of a little bit lashes out and he's like well I've got all this information on you and I can turn you you know turn that information over to authorities blah 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 which he ultimately does not do because Gideon is just he's the only decent good 100% through and through good person in this show
1: (laughs) I know and I adored him like yeah He's the boss we'd all want to have, mm-hmm.
0: and I didn't realize I didn't catch it the first time I watched uh this the series that all safe was Gideon's was Gideon's like he created built it all the way up to this big company corporation that it ended up being before it you know, ultimately crashed. But I just kind of always thought he was just the boss.
1: Yeah, like some random manager dude. No, he yeah. owned that car. Yeah. That was his. That was, that was his
0: baby. And so the second time around, you just especially for me having finally caught that, was just I just felt for him that much more.
1: Yeah, and he had such a beautiful happy home he and did. everything and
0: him and his boyfriend looked so cute together and oh and how sweet was his boyfriend when he brought in like breakfast and Gideon's like rushing around, you know, he's stressed out and kind of frantic and boyfriend's like, no, sit down and eat some breakfast. So it's like, all right, fine. And then just starts shoveling in eggs, <laughs> just like, fine, does it all quick. And then they have that really nice moment with each other. And that's kind of like, oh, things are going to go sideways, aren't they? Because that was really yeah. sweet.
1: <laughs> but yeah, was because of Elliot's and Angela's actions, let's not forget her part with putting that awful CD mm-hmm. in the system. You know, even if it was to kind of get back at her boyfriend. uh, But her and Elliot's actions combined together to totally ruin him. He loses his company. He loses his relationship. He loses everything. He tries to get help, but nobody will help him. And then he just goes to a bar on the holidays and drowns his sorrows out and ends up seemingly hitting it off with this stranger and tells him a bit what's going on. And, And then guy
0: just straight up kills him to be a hero shot him in the neck which was that had to have been utterly painful and a agonizing death and all i could think was you're right fucking next to him and you can't shoot him in the head you shot him in the neck have some mercy yeah you're you're a terrible shot you're like less than a foot away from him and the best you did was shoot him in the neck.
1: I'm i would being like very critical did it to, of his
0: murder. <laughs> I feel like that the guy did it though
1: to really lord over him. Like, I'm a hero because I got rid of you. You're the problem. Cause everybody thinks Gideon's the bad guy. Yeah. And he's not. No. But he's been framed so thoroughly by Elliot. There's what can he do? Yeah.
0: Poor Gideon. I think every note that I have about Gideon is just. Since season one has been, every time he was on screen, I'm like, oh, poor Gideon. You know what, though?
1: At the time, I'm like, I can totally understand why Elliot's letting this happen. I don't agree with it. It's awful. There has to be a better way. But I totally understand it. But then, when Elliot does some things later on in the show, I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. Elliot's gone too far. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can't believe in my first last through that I was like, oh, this really sucks, but I understand, because I'm, you know, I look back on it now and I'm like, no, no, this is horrible, no, how can you, how can you stand for this, how was I okay with this, how, how are you worried about turning other people in for doing really bad things, but you can't save the one person who's decent, what is wrong with you, and, you know, I feel mad at myself.
0: Oh, it'll be okay, Laura.
1: Yeah, I will. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, just a moment of silence for Gideon, the only through-and-through through good person on Mr. Robot. And that's enough. <laughs> so I was wondering which one of us would break that first. <laughs> I was so close. All right. Oh, I feel like we're just kind of zipping right along. Nothing wrong with that, but I feel like the old micro machine guy talking real fast. <laughs> um, from from the commercials from the eighties. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? No? Okay. Uh
1: I was born in the eighties, but I don't really remember them. Sorry.
0: Oh uh, anyways. I was gonna go off on a little rant about that guy. Okay. I will. He spoke really fast for the micro machine commercials and he talked like this and blah, 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 And then he did like a guest spot on, say by the bell, he played like a driving test teacher. No, not the driving test teacher, but he played a teacher and he gave a quiz and he spoke really fast and they showed everyone trying to write really fast. And just panel's hairs gets all wild. And I think Zach Morris just straight up gave up. Anyways, that guy. Noted. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Well, we will go ahead and move on to Dom, the fucking badass FBI agent like this woman has clearly has insomniac I think that's one of the first scenes we see is her not sleeping and yet she's still able to go out and kick ass and be like a top-notch FBI agent detective or whatever
1: yeah I I love Dom's character flaws and all like I empathize with their flaws a little bit like I sometimes have you know episodes of insomnia and it's not fun. And you know, she like she really craves human connection but she doesn't seem to have it because of her job. And she's so good at her job. Like she's she's been in the background throughout this season like she's investigating you know the whole F society thing and she finds a clue that everyone misses so she's actually on their trail somewhat. And that's why her and Angela end up meeting. And Honestly, she had Angela's number right then and there. And I knew it. We knew it. We all knew. Angela knew it. And just, I wonder why she didn't pull the trigger then, you know? Because she would have caught her red-handed with her stupid hack job.
0: Oops, we're back on (laughs) that. Well, because I think Dom is just, she's smarter than that. You know, it's like that would have been maybe too easy, maybe wanted to follow her around a bit more or something, you know, it's just. You're right. Angela probably would have ended up just being some kind of patsy and it would have stalled the
1: investigation. But yeah, you're right. Dom's smarter than that. And I had a little bit of a, like, I need to look this person up. Like who plays her? She looks really familiar. Okay. She looks familiar. Cause she's Meryl Streep's daughter. And I'm like, Oh,
0: family resemblance. Mm-hmm. And you had told me that like, after the first time, I had watched it and so during this rewatch that's all like totally like you can't unsee it now first time you're just like God, she looks really familiar and then yeah you did the homework and you're like Meryl Streep's daughter I was like fuck yeah (laughs) that explains (laughs) so much (laughs) the amazing
1: acting and the looks and yeah (laughs) it just made it cooler for me yeah awesome I agree (laughs) because I'm a bit I'm a bit of a Meryl Streep fan who isn't (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. She's nothing. she's great at what she does. She is. Um, you know, but Dom's character, man, I love her. Like
0: I absolutely adore her. <laughs> One of the things that I really loved about Dom was her her way of questioning people and approaching people is it always starts off seemingly innocent and friendly, although you know she has ulterior motives. But even when she first encounters Angela um, in the office, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Were you on a call? I hate it when people do that. Mm
1: -hmm. And then
0: like two sentences later, just kind of drops her tone and is just like, I know what you're doing. (laughs) I'm going to get you. And you're just like, damn. Because she did that with Darlene too. So Dom is tracking Dark Army. They get wind of who Cisco is and compare some. Sketch artist drawings, and she finds she catches up to Darlene and Cisco after Darlene and Cisco took the F Society guy to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And during that time, they put out the uh bolo that's what they call it, I don't know what it stands for of um Cisco's sketch and broadcast. And, and Dom was against it, she told the agent Santiago, I think his name was not to do it because that's going to make Cisco a target for dark army and dark army will likely get to him before they do. Right. And she ends up being absolutely right. Uh, Darlene and Cisco, they leave the hospital for a little bit to go get some food. And then they were going to come back and check on their friend. And during that time,
1: they're having a really cute moment
0: in a restaurant the cutest. And so goddamn shows, you know, when they're having, there's like a nice sweet moment. You're like, oh, this is beautiful. You're going to die soon. Something terrible is going to happen and it's just going to ruin your night. And that's what happened. So they, because the nurse in the hospital, the nurse in the emergency room saw the sketch, recognized the sketch as Cisco, uh, who had just left with Darlene and calls the FBI. So they're there. And Santiago's like, oh, they're long gone. They're in the wind. They probably saw the bolo and took off. Dom's just kind of standing there looking around from the nurse's counter where the TV is and figures out that pieces it all together that Darlene and Cisco never saw the bolo. They never saw the report. They didn't see the sketch. They don't know that the FBI is looking for them. So she's like, they're not that far and goes out and finds them uh, having dinner at a restaurant. And she goes in there. And I loved this scene. I loved how they did it because Mm -hmm. you don't, Really, like you kind of think, oh, something's going to happen, but you don't really expect what ends up happening. At least I didn't. So you see Dom go into the restaurant, and because Darlene and Cisco are sitting near the window, you kind of see her come around and confront them. All the while, some light nighttime traffic going by a car here, a car there, motorcycle pulls up, stops, person gets off, walks up to the window, and just open fires. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, no. And then Dom comes running out, shooting. And because there was two people on the motorcycle, the driver and the shooter. Driver takes off. Shooter, because then the FBI starts coming up, I think. The cops come up. And so the shooter commits suicide, just like Dom says, Dark Army does. Yep. And then we find out that Cisco doesn't make it. And Dom starts questioning um at one point Don is able to question Darlene and the way she starts it is like, oh you have some like she's trying to be nice, quote, nice impersonable, you know, good. Cop. I feel like that's genuine though. You did? I don't feel I don't feel like that's a game there.
1: Like I feel like she genuinely f- has empathy for Darlene's situation. Like I don't I didn't think it was a game at all. Really? Like don't get me wrong. Like, she still has her job to do, and she's going to do it. But, yeah. Like, just when we get to see more of her character in later seasons, I think it made it more, like, it cemented it more for me. Like, she genuinely does care, and that is her greatest weakness.
0: Yeah. Huh, because I, yeah, I didn't really pick up on that. It just felt like that was just part of how she questions people, how she approaches witnesses, suspects, and stuff is Dom starts off trying to be nice and personable. Oh, you have some blood on your shirt. Did you want to change or get cleaned up? And Darlene's like, fuck you. I know I have blood on my shirt. And Dom keeps kind of trying these little, trying to connect with with Darlene. And eventually, like, Dom's just like, you know, they they do a little back and forth. And I love the scenes with Dom and Darlene. Mm Mm-hmm. Their, their exchanges are just great. And Darlene's just kind of on the ball with her responses. And you think like, oh no, Dom might've got her with this line of questioning or whatever. And Darlene's like, you know what? As far as I'm concerned, Cisco and I are into for some freaky shit. And that's why you found the camcorder in his apartment. You know, has nothing to do with the F Society stuff. But Dom keeps laying out, like she doesn't show her full hand right away. She's like, oh, but then we found this mask. Darlene's like, whatever, it's just a dumb mask oh yes, but it's from this movie that I think she tracked it on like Darlene's social media or something that, you know, you're a fan of this movie or you watched it a bunch. So she's just kind of like piecemealing it out, which I loved. Mm -hmm. And then she, and then uh, Dom reveals to Darlene that they know everything and they take Darlene into that room in the police station or FBI, wherever with the big whiteboard. And it's got Everybody and the little lines and the strings, and right there in the center, (laughs) not Elliot, not Elliot, it's Tyrell, but then Elliot's just below Tyrell, so they really think Tyrell is like the ringleader of everything.
1: Well, it makes sense if you think about it. Tyrell's got the power and the position and the charisma to you know get people to do things, yeah.
0: So, other than having the wrong person as like the leader. They've they've got it all. They've got them all up there. They've got poor Romero. Oh, not Romero. Ruben. 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 I remember because his name is a sandwich. Sandwich. (laughs) Oops, almost out of vodka. Um, Yeah, and then Darlene's just like, oh, fuck. So I think that's how it ended with Dom and Darlene and poor Cisco. Yeah. Rest in peace, Cisco.
1: Darlene did not deserve Cisco. Like, Cisco was obviously not an angel either. Like, he works for the Dark Army. Come Mm -hmm. on. And he started that whole mess with the CD and everything. Like, you know, dude blackmails people. Like, karma, right? But, okay. He literally just helped his girlfriend get away with murder. They were going to run away together and be all cutesy and just chill, chill out.
0: You're right. He was an enabler yeah <laughs> <laughs> but he was a little cutesy tootsy but yeah dom's she's great at her job her interesting her funny conversations with alexa are you my friend alexa <laughs> when will when's the world gonna end alexa
1: yeah i i really enjoyed that it's, it's like they really painted the picture of her life really well and that was one of the things that Made me think that her approach to interrogation is what it is because it works, but you know that there's there's genuine wanting to connect there, yeah, like that's coming through from the sad state of her personal life. That's a good you know? point.
0: I guess I didn't really fully pick up on that
1: yeah. good point. and here I did here I did right away, and I could be completely wrong, but you know that's what I took away from her character. It's like, oh oh, she's yeah, she's got some issues, but interesting she's using them to her advantage here in her interrogations. You know, I wonder if that's genuine or not, and it, it turns out it is, and it's just like, oh, oh, no, 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 you just made yourself so weak.
0: So, what else, anything else about Dom? She tracks, um, yeah. She picks up on the trail of F Society. Oh, and I think it's in this season, too, where we get a little bit of a flashback moment with Ruben and Mobley. Because I think Mobley's trying to convince Ruben to kind of come back into helping them with their phase two or whatever stuff. Right. But, but Ruben tells the story of the arcade and how he came to be uh, the owner of the arcade and a little bit of the the history and everything. And I just started giggling at one point because he says, um, Ruben says that at one point, the place was named Games, Games, Games. And he's like, it's a bit on the nose if you ask me. Finishes story, finishes the scene, pans back, and it's called Fun Society, but the UN is missing. So it's just F Society. And I was like, that's not a bit on the nose? Right? How did nobody pick up on that before Dom? Right. And she sees it and she's almost like, God damn it. <laughs> like we right. made
1: something so obvious. But then again, she didn't know at the time that her boss was a double agent.
0: Yeah. So. And technically know- we don't know that yet. But. Right. But there are, you do kind of wonder why he pushes back every time she brings up Dark Army. Oh, yeah, they're not so real. I- they're they're just ghosts and whatever I wanted to ask you
1: having rewatched the second season again and seen the initial interactions between Dom and Santiago um did you see that differently I did because we we find out like like how early on do you feel like he was sabotaging things like maybe they missed F Society that huge ass arcade F Society because of his interference like I don't know
0: I feel like after rewatching it, I feel like it's been from the get-go. Like he's, you know, a little spoilers for season three, but whatever. If you're listening to this, then you're clearly familiar with the series. But I I get the feeling that he was always in in Dark Army's pocket because the second that Dom brings up Dark Army, he's automatically dismissive of it. And the first time I watched it, I just thought like, oh, whatever, maybe they're kind of a... like a quote, like maybe a ghost group, something that people have only heard about, but no one's really seen or experienced. And he's more focused on putting, you know, putting in the work and the manpower into these things that they know and that are tangible. Right. But now, yeah, going back with, you know, that new set of eyes and knowing how everything plays out, just like, ooh, you shifty motherfucker. Because in this season, they go to China and Dom has a meeting with the minister. Uh, I'm not going to say it correctly, but um, White Rose, basically, in the in the mail form. Yeah, in his day job. Day job form, um, Minister Zhang. And so they're getting ready to leave. I think they're still at the hotel. Yeah, they're in the lobby. Yeah. And so everyone's kind of getting there. They're getting their continental breakfast oh but there was something and something happened so santiago wasn't there he had to go back up to his room and then dark army comes in shoots the place up like kills dom's partner which was unfortunate because like why a woman of color and why she got like a total of 10 minutes screen time in two seasons i i mean i get you know again plot device yeah and i don't i don't think that the show did that intentionally but No. That's
1: a a problem with shows and movies in general. Mm -hmm. There's, there isn't intention when casting people, you know, different color, different race, different ethnicity, however you want to word it, it. They don't think about, they don't think these things through in terms of audience testing before they do these things. Like, they could have, and maybe they could have, you know, they could have just had one of the Token white people that were also killed in the room have that little spotlight moment. Like, mm-hmm. really? Did they need to do that? I don't. I don't think so. But you know, I think this was more like they didn't think about it yeah. than than them being intentionally bad, like some other productions have been. But you're right. That sucked. But also that whole scene, like when I watched it, was really confusing for me. It was quite clear that you know one of the gunmen's Dom shoots right. But he's still alive. He or she, whatever we can't tell, um, still alive. And he could have shot her back. Yeah. And he, he did doesn't, He kills himself. And I'm like, this it was almost immediately following Dom being her probably dangerously curious self and browsing around the minister's home and finding his room full of clocks and just being totally fixated on this one clock. And then they have that really weird conversation where he goes and shows her some things, like his wardrobe, and like, these are my sisters. And he totally knows that she's smart enough to see through this. So I'm like, I am like, what is White Rose playing at? Because White Rose decided that, for whatever reason, Dom was interesting enough to keep alive. And I don't feel like that's ever, explained properly like we we all know what happens with Dom's role moving forward and you know that's going to be fun to discuss later but I still don't understand like what made White Rose go hmm I like this person
0: I feel like a lot of times with some of these characters White Rose is just the cat batting at an almost dead mouse just you know kind of knocking them around as her little plaything and beating them down to the point where maybe they're just like, oh no, but then letting them live. I don't know, maybe, yeah. maybe not the best analogy, but that's just, as you were talking, that's what I envisioned was White Rose as a cat batting around a sleepy, tired Dom, just like, oh, you're over here and now you're over here and now I'm gonna let you be for a little bit and now I'm gonna knock you down a little bit too. Like I think White yeah. Rose is just a bitchy little cat.
1: That's true, but, you know, I just, I want to know what White Rose saw in Dom, because we, we think she's awesome, mm-hmm. but what did White Rose see? What did White Rose know at this point, too? And it's just like, hmm, but yeah, so their little interaction and everything was so interesting to me, and I was
0: so disappointed that we didn't get to, like, see more of that. That would have been really good, interesting. I think a lot more, I think not even a lot more, but even like two, maybe like another, maybe, yeah, two more interactions. So a total of like three of Dom and either Minister Zhang or Dom in White Rose. I think, I think the Minister and Dom, I would have liked to see a couple more interactions with those two specific characters where, you know, Minister Zhang obviously knows everything that's going on and just continues to maybe toy with Dom a little bit but Dom being able to use that to kind of keep being a badass and slowly piece things together I just I just think that would have been I I just would have liked to have seen more between those two because yeah I agree their their little conversation and everything was really interesting
1: I loved it and yeah I guess that's one of the things too like Season 2 had its disappointments for me and this was one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, in my opinion it is the weakest season of the show.
0: But it's still so goddamn good. It's still really good. I would have to agree. The first time I watched the series, I loved season 2. But going through and rewatching it, I just I loved like the whole Elliot's mom house and the prison twist was what mm-hmm. I really latched onto the first time, which is what I love. I love a good twist. I love not seeing it coming and just being blindsided by it. I know Help it's always nice that. when that happens. Yes. You know, because even until I rewatched it the second time, I was like, oh oh yeah, these other things happen this season. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Because huh. that that
1: huh. twist I didn't see it coming. I, I didn't. I was like too busy trying to figure out why the fuck would he be at his mom's house? Oh, because it's not his mom's house. (laughs) I'm just like, damn, it's not, nothing's got me like that since, you know, like the the usual suspects. Yeah. Like that movie, I I watched that in a high school creative writing class. And, you know, I was completely suckered in because one of the, you know, the bad guys telling the story had CP. And I'm just like, yeah, cripple representation. And then it turns out that that was being faked. And I'm like, like, I was, I was like, like, you were hurt. Normal viewer shocked. But then like, there was a layer of like personal insult there. And
0: I'm just like,
1: oh, oh, wow. That was good. But whoa, why would you do that
0: to me? I'm so heartbroken. (laughs) I think that has to be one of the best twists in movies, um, modern movies. because Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know anyone that saw it coming, even as like an offhand guess. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's totally Kevin Spacey. He's yeah. Everything. And if somebody
1: if somebody tells you that, they're totally lying. Yeah.
0: Because, oh god, maybe we should do Usual Suspect sometime. Because fuck, I almost went down that rabbit hole. But
1: <laughs> oh, I would be I would be one hundred percent willing to go down that rabbit hole. Because like I said, I was completely suckered in to have personal representation to some degree in a movie. And 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 you know it kind it kind of got taken away a bit, and that was really harsh for me to deal with. But that that is the twist that I measure all other twists by. Like, did this show sucker me in just like that movie did? You know what, Mr. Robot is written so well that it does that repeatedly.
0: Yes, there are really great twists in in this show, and I love that it's it it just it gets you like every. Every twist for each season gets you. You don't see it coming. You think you know where they might be going with it. And then they're like, no, fuck you. No, you don't. And then they just like punch you in the gut or something.
1: Well, there was the one twist about Darlene being a sister that my husband completely saw.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that one, I guess, is more of the easier Easier grab on that one, but I didn't see it. But at the same time, I I wasn't super surprised. But that's got to be annoying to have like the person you're sitting next to be like, that's gonna be his sister." And then ten episodes later, you're like, "You son of a bitch!"
1: (laughs) Right, right. I wasn't surprised either. But you know, I was more hoping like it would be something a little more complicated because the whole you didn't know your brother and sister thing. Come on, that's been done, done, and done. So. So it's like, oh, I hope not. I hope it's something else. Yeah,
0: but I, th- I think, yeah, it's it's a pretty common twist. Uh, but I think they still did a really good job with, just kind of adding into that.
1: Yeah, yeah, because you totally didn't see his mental health issues causing him to completely forget. Yeah. his sister. Oh my God, I just had a, I just had a season four of revelation by it talking about this. Well, jot
0: it down so you don't forget. Otherwise, I don't know your brain woman memory will retain it. I'm sure. It's a crapshoot. It's a crap. <laughs> <shoot>. <laughs> yeah, I think I said yesterday when we we're recording, I've all my little notes, like just knowing how everything plays out for the rest, of the last two seasons. I've got little side notes of shit where I'm just like, not going to talk about it this time, but I'll bring it up for season four, or I'm only going to talk about this little piece, but I want to come back to it when we do season four because what the fuck. And it's really hard to rewatch this show knowing how everything plays out because you are just you're looking for things and mm-hmm. you're reading maybe a bit too much into certain interactions. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it definitely takes away from following the rest of like the main plot and even some of the subplots. <laughs> well the show can still fuck with you on a rewatch, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's fantastic. <laughs> right oh and then just also like yeah why did it have to be reuben to die
1: uh-huh that was a, that was another that was another person of color thing
0: mm-hmm. and the fact and- that his death ended up being just it wasn't a targeted attack he got killed by a random stray bullet which is unfortunately true to life but come on did it have to be him right
1: I love that it was his his mom's roll papers.
0: Yeah, and I love that um, Dom managed to get <laughs> into the house to be like, "Well, I'm I'm great at rolling joints. I'll roll you a few." <laughs> <laughs> I I loved that. I thought that scene was really funny, uh, and
1: sweet. All things considered, but also you know it still had a purpose for moving the plot forward. So win win. But yeah, why why are
0: shows always like that? I don't know. One of my big problems when I first watched um, Suicide Squad was like, and I didn't hate the movie as much as like everybody else hated on it. But I think by the time that we got around to see it, I had already heard so many negative things about it that my expectations were non-existent. So I ended up actually enjoying a good chunk of the movie. But in the beginning when they're introducing the Suicide Squad, and they're walking out and you know you already know they got their bomb collars and everything and you got the one fucking kangaroo jack motherfucker that's like oh it's totally bullshit and they get the native american character to do his little swingy thing to test it so of course she blows his head off Why didn't they have the Australian do that? Exactly. seriously. Why? The first person to die in that fucking movie within the first, like, whatever, 10, 15, 20 minutes of it was a person, a Native American character.
1: Yeah. And then the coolest one, Diablo or whatever the hell. Like, (gasps) yes. What? I wanted him to stay. Like, seriously. Who the fuck cares about
0: Deadshot? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, he had the tragic storyline of his son son or daughter child and wanting to get back to whatever but i don't care
1: (laughs) 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 okay just because it's will smith you know like you know will smith's gonna make it to the end of the movie because it's will smith so you know his character's safe It's it's got nothing to do with you know uh the the main problem we have here and that's how all others of color or or other differences are just expendable. Like red shirts in yeah. <laughs> Star Trek speak, right? Right. Like, unless you are a big name star, if you're a person of color, you are expendable. And you die right away.
0: Oh my god, melanin is the red shirt of the real world. <gasps> yeah, that and being a cripple. I mean, yeah. Ugh, gotta make it about you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no,
0: no. Like I said, Suicide Squad noticed it. I'm sure if give me a minute and I can probably think of more other examples through movies and shows where I'm just like why why did it have to be that person why couldn't it have been that honky over in the corner <laughs> <laughs> it should have been the Australian in Suicide Squad it let's be real about that that guy that was a dumbass makes me mad that he lasted as long as he fucking did so yeah but like I said I still ultimately ended up not hating that movie as much, but there were just points where I was like, fuck you, and fuck you there, and fuck you there too. Yeah, and Mr. Robot has
1: some of those points. Like yep. I said, I don't think that they were intentional. No,
0: I don't think they were intentional either, but again, that's that. But they were still done. They were and still it, done. Because it wasn't, thing, the, the, those moments weren't done intentionally, but there wasn't, there also wasn't any intent to make sure that those things didn't play out the way exactly.
1: they did. Exactly exactly and you know that that's kind of what we're faulting the show with here Mm -hmm. is that that lack
0: of consideration is still a problem yes agreed and it's like oh well some people might be able to say like oh that was then you know pre the george floyd move you know catapulting that's no excuse and that i absolutely fucking agree this show came out in 2015 there is no goddamn excuse you can even sometimes a little very 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 little bit minutely excuse some shit from like the 80s and maybe even early 90s yeah but not from 2015
1: no no you can't and even excusing things from the 80s and early 90s i think is is it's a difficult tightrope to walk it is you can't tell me if people weren't aware
0: of it then either. Exactly. I know like one thing I see a lot on um the movies that have an aged well list is always Revenge of the Nerds. And fuck no, that movie has not aged well by 2020 standards. The 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 creepiness of planting fake, you know, or not fake, but planting the surveillance cameras in the sorority house. Um the uh, the main nerd tricking the um female and thinking that it was her boyfriend that she was about to do dirty deeds with in like the playhouse and then he's like oh surprise it's me and she's like oh that was really good like she just ignored the fact that he fucking no. lied or you know yeah lied about who he was to get there. sexy time. There's so much wrong with that movie so much wrong but I still love it Granted, I haven't sat down to rewatch it anytime recently because I acknowledge how fucking cringy and hard that would be. And maybe I don't because I still have a tad of uh, rose colored glasses for the movie of just being part of my childhood, even though Nostalgia no seven, can do that. Yeah, no seven year old should be watching Revenge of the Nerds, but you know, here I am watching Revenge of the Nerds. I watch Porky's. Porkies. Yeah! <laughs> I forgot where I was going with that rant. Either way, yeah. Oh, not excusing that fine line of excusing shit from the 80s. So it's like, yeah, there there's a, I, a bit of nostalgia. There's a bit you can't just wash it away and be like, oh, but it was the 80s. It was a different time. It wasn't that fucking different, you guys. It's
1: no, we were technically alive during that time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's it's just because everyone was so complacent like just yeah. Complacent. Complacent yeah. in where we were at. We thought, oh well, everything's fine, you know. I think the 80s, looking back, is a great example of how white men ruled the world, and we saw that in our entertainment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's that going on, and, you know, there is a component of of people with disabilities experiencing similar things. Like, there's a lot of autistic kids, you know, out getting shot, too, because their reactions are, are misperceived and that scares me because my son's autistic you know it's like oh god what do i got to worry about then i you know that makes me think like this is exactly what parents with with children of color that that are 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 thinking about every day and you know it's not right to make people have to live like that it's it's not and you know media is a powerful tool to change things and i wish i wish those that that could actually did make those changes and stood by them Mm -hmm. so that we can start building that better as part of our culture Uh, because this kind of they kind of played a role in how we've built our culture now anyway like okay revenge of the nerds back in the 80s was a different time these sorts of hijinks were okay um and you don't think that that shaped the way Women are viewed in society now. Mm-hmm. You don't like everything plays its part, and they need to own they need to own their part in it, and more than that, they need to make a conscious effort to be different, to be better. Absolutely,
0: I completely agree. Whoa, we got a little, little heavy, little deep there, but it's needed. It, it's good conversations to continue to have, um, and I'm sure this will just one of many to come. Yeah. but I think that will do it for us for Mr. Robot season two. Um, Any final thoughts or anything? We can't really do predictions because we know what's going to happen in season three, but
1: Uh, I'm just really looking forward to getting to the last season and really like hammering out all the plausible ways that this could be feasible.
0: And I, I just... Like, it's it's killing me. Oh, my God, me <laughs> too. I, I just want to <laughs> talk about it. Oh, my God. I'm just going to explode. And, and that's why I kind of uh, suggested the other day, maybe we just cover seasons three and four in one recording. Can we? Yeah, let's do that. We'll, okay. <laughs> we'll try for that. That'll be a three-hour recording. But, hey, that's all right. <laughs> that three-hour tour, like, Gilligan's Island. it'll be great. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll just get lost in our thoughts. Anyways, we will, uh, Laura will be back and we will finish out uh, Mr. Robot the last two seasons. Um, But until then, everyone, um, stay safe. Keep streaming. Black Lives Matter. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And um, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.